today, though, uh, I want to talk to you about something significant as well, because if we don't talk about this, uh, we can miss all that we're going to talk about last week and, and, and next week as well. And we're going to see how we can actually hinder or even block the miraculous in our life. Did you know that you can do that? You absolutely can hinder and block the miraculous in your life. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. In fact, I want you to think about it this way. I want you to think about Mary. You know, I, I'm just amazed by the, the story the, of the, the coming of Jesus to this earth. You know, Mary was just a natural person. Uh, she, just, she was just an average person living an average mo- life doing whatever Mary did. She was no, no there was nothing extraordinary about her. She was just an ordinary person. But God, I love God. He took something very ordinary, very natural, and he birthed something supernatural in it. And by doing that, he used something supernatural to change the world. And let let me say this, he's still in the business of doing that today. That's why you're here is so that God can do that with your life as well. So what do I mean by that? Well, listen, we are all natural human beings. We're all natural. Come on, somebody, right? We're we're natural human beings, every single one of us. And and God's birthing things in us still today so that he can use his supernatural power through us. However, if we're not careful, what I have discovered and what I do know according to scripture is that there are things that can get in the way of that. And, 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 and look at your neighbor and say, you can get in the way of yourself. <laughs> I can get in the way of me. I can get in the way of what God wants to do through me. There's, there's roadblocks to this happening in our life. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the biggest one. I want to talk about the biggest possible roadblock that there could be to preventing God's miraculous move in your life. I hope that you desire the move of God in your life. I hope that you desire the miraculous. How many of y'all would say just by a raised hand, yes, I need God's miraculous move in my life. And so if we want that, let's make sure that we're good stewards of God's word and understand what we have to do to make sure that we don't prevent it in our life. And, and I know it's bold to stand up here and say that this is like the number one thing that could stop God's move in your life. I know that that's a bold statement, but I, I believe it because it's true, and, and I want to I help you get to the things that God has for you. I want to encourage you. I just, I want to take a journey with you this morning, and I want to look in Scripture about this topic and see what the Scripture has to say about it, what the Bible has to say. And, the, and today, really, what we're going to talk about, you're like, finally, Pastor Josh, will you just tell me what we're talking about? I want to talk to you about unforgiveness. I want to talk to you today about this one word that honestly is a miracle blocker if we don't get it in control in our life, and it can hinder the move of God in our life. I want to talk about unforgiveness. You know, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, this is a great place to start. Uh, it's always good to start with the Word of God, right? It doesn't matter what Josh thinks. It matters what God's Word says. He says this in Scripture. He says, and be kind to one another. Look at your neighbor and say, be kind to me. There you go. Tenderhearted and forgiving one another. Say, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I love how God always puts a comma and puts a tail end to some of the things that he says in Scripture, and he certainly did it here. You see, there are Scriptures upon Scriptures in the Bible that tell us the importance of forgiveness. 
You know, just recently, uh, Fred Rogers came back on the scene, and how many of y'all remember growing up to uh, Make Believe Land? Some people still think I believe in Make Believe Land, uh, or, or live there, uh, but I, I, I loved his story on the screen. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go see it. What, a, what an incredible life he lived, and what an impact he made, but uh, it kind of got me researching him a little bit. And uh, one of the things uh, in an interview that he shared with uh, Charlie Rose is he talked about one of his former professors said to him, he said, Fred, you know, there's one thing in this world that evil hates, and it's forgiveness. And I thought, wow, how profound is that? The one thing that evil hates in this world is forgiveness because it's the one thing that can block us from the miracle power of God in our life. And, and what I love about scriptures, it, it just, it points out the importance of this and it says, hey, listen, don't, don't forget that you are forgiven. Don't forget that while you're processing the emotions of unforgiveness, that you are very much a forgiven human being. And since you are forgiven, I called you to forgive those around you also. So what I want to do this morning to kind of open up the conversations, a lot of us, we, we don't know what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And so I put together just a little diagram to kind of give us a few thoughts. You can write these in the margins of your notes if you want, but for, it's kind of just forgiveness is and forgiveness is not. And so the first is this forgiveness is a choice or an act of one's will. Forgiveness, it's a choice that I make. What it's not is a feeling. You're not going to necessarily feel like I want to forgive. In fact, I don't know any time in my life, if I'm being transparent with you this morning, that I felt like, man, this is a great idea. I haven't had that. It's a choice that is on the inside of me. It's an act of my free will to forgive. The other thing that forgiveness is, is it's based on God's forgiveness of us. I love what Ephesians just said. We are to forgive because Christ has forgiven us. It's not based on fairness. You see, it, that never comes into play in this conversation. It's not, hey, listen, if they do this, then you can do this, and then you can forgive. No, 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 no. It's not a fairness. It's not a quid pro quo. That's in the media today quite a bit, right? Hey, no, no, no. It's not that. It's, listen, it's not based on fairness. That's not what it's based on. It's, it's, it's based on the God's forgiveness. Can I just say this this way? It wasn't fair what Jesus did for you. It wasn't fair the choice that he made. And listen, this is the crazy thing. He forgave you before you ever even did what you did. And so it's not based on fairness. It's based on God's forgiveness. Number three, it's commanded in the Bible as a lifestyle that we are to live a repentant and a forgiving lifestyle. It's not a suggestion or an occasional offering. Uh, you, know, you know, I'm going to choose, you know, I will forgive you, but I, you know, because of what you did for the next 24 hours, uh, you're going to be in the doghouse. No, 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 no. That, that's not the way Scripture says it. It says, no, 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 we, we choose. We don't let the sun go down on our anger, the Bible says. We, we live a lifestyle of forgiveness in our life. And this last one, this one's critical. I like this last one a lot because it's possible with only one party. Because what we're not talking about is reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two parties in order for it to happen. But forgiveness, guess what? It only requires you. That's it. 
You don't have to have the other person involved in this. In fact, some of you, maybe you need to forgive somebody that's not even on this earth anymore for some things that they have done but you've harbored it on the inside of you. Listen, still today you can get free from that because it requires you and an audience of one, you and the Holy Spirit. That's all it requires. And so it's, there, we, we, we put this idea that it requires reconciliation. Listen, there are things and atrocities and things that will happen to you that God never says that you have to reconcile and bring that relationship back to where it was. But he does say that we have to forgive and it only requires me in order for that to happen. Is this good this morning? So based off of this, here's what I want to do. What is forgiveness? What I want to do is I want to kind of give you a working definition for this morning. And, and I'm trying to get really practical with you this morning because here's what I know. And why, why are we talking about forgiveness? It's Christmas. Because honestly, this is one of the biggest things that we deal with if we're really honest this kind of time of year because it's sitting and lurking behind the scenes. So, so what is it? Here's, here's just a working definition that we can go by. Forgiveness is to show oneself gracious, to be kind, to be benevolent, or to grant a pardon to someone. It, it, it's something that we all want. Forgiveness is looking at someone that may not deserve it and saying, listen, you don't deserve this but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Not I'm gonna give it to you anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm, I'm gonna grace you, I'm gonna grant you, I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to be gracious towards you and I'm going to forgive you even though everything that happened in the past, everything that brought us to this moment, I'm choosing forgiveness. And really, let's bring it to Christmas. When you look at the story of Jesus, when you look at this gospel story that we're in love with, that we read over and over again, if you really look at the story of Jesus, that's what his life is all about. It's about him coming to this earth so that we could encounter forgiveness. Every encounter that he had with people Every time he looked at them, he, he gave them something that, that they didn't deserve. They didn't deserve the freedom that he offered them. He, he didn't deserve it, but he said, listen, you're safe. You're saved. Here's my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what forgiveness is. We are granting someone a pardon freely. And so if you have your worship guys, I want you to get them out and get out the notes, or maybe you can follow along online if you want to do that as well at lead.church. But I want to give you three things in our time remaining together this morning, three perspectives of biblical per forgiveness. Three perspectives of biblical, I can't talk this morning, three perspectives of biblical forgiveness. Oh, there we got it out, right? Woo, glory to God. Come on, somebody give me a high five this morning, all right? <laughs> okay. We want to do this this morning. So uh, the first one is, if you're taking notes, God's forgiveness for the world. God's forgiveness for the world. You see, Mary had heard from God. There's no doubt that Mary heard from God. The Holy Spirit had come upon her, and she heard from God. And, and, and what God said was, hey, listen, you're going to bear a son. His, he's going to be in, born into this world, and he's going to, you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to be the savior of this world. 
And at that same time that this is happening with Mary, Joseph is in this as well. He's betrothed, the Bible says, or engaged to Mary. And Joseph, this whole time, is in this secret place, kind of sorting through his emotions, trying to figure this out. It's, it, it's kind of weird, let's be honest. He, he's in this situation where it doesn't look good. I mean, he's engaged to this woman. She's supposedly a virgin, but she's pregnant with God's child? What? It doesn't make sense. And so he's in this secret place, the Bible says, where he's trying to put her away quietly is what Scripture says. In other words, he's like, listen, I can't deal with this. There's too much involved in this. This is weird. I don't understand it. How am I going to explain this while I'm on the donkey tomorrow with my homies? It doesn't make sense. And so he's trying to privately put her away, and God speaks to him, and he says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Can we just pause there for a minute? Anybody else wish it was that easy to name your child, that God just shows up and says, here's the name? Like, instead of the the child name books, like, what are we going to name this kid? We're getting closer and closer. But boom, it's Jesus. And why? Why is it Jesus? For he will save his people from their sins. You will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a powerful moment. What a powerful moment right there. Jesus is actually, if you don't know this, is the Greek form of the Hebrew name translated as Yahshua or Joshua, which means Jehovah is our salvation. Wow. So powerful. What a powerful name he was given. And here's what I love about this. What I love about it is that from the moment Jesus was born, Not only did he have his name, but he had his purpose and his marching orders just by how he was named in that moment. His purpose was revealed immediately. He is our salvation. His name is his purpose. Well, what's my purpose? Listen, your purpose is you're going to bring salvation into this world. Well, what, what am I called to do? You are going to save the people from their sins. Immediately, just by his very name, He had purpose and direction in his life. That's amazing. It's amazing. His name is his calling. Do you see how powerful that is? Immediately he began to walk in that. Can I just say this to you this morning? Because I think some of you are sitting here seeing the power of that. Can I just tell you that when you were brought into this world, that God looked at you in the, same, in the very same way because you were made in his image and he gave you a calling and he gave you a purpose and you can walk in that just as much as Jesus did. Listen, your main name may not mean something as awesome as Jehovah is the savior of the world, but he marked you. Don't forget that this morning. Jesus Christ has marked you from the moment that you are born into this world. He has said, there is a calling and there is a purpose on your life. Never forget it and walk in it. Well, Pastor Josh, why are you you so passionate about the birth of Jesus? It's a great question. The the reason is because when, when, that's when the real power, that's when the real stuff happened. The moment that Jesus was born into this world, was the moment that something stepped foot onto this earth that could save me. 
that it was a moment that something stepped foot onto this earth that could save you. It was the moment that something, someone stepped foot onto this earth that could save your loved one, that could save your coworker, that could, your loved one that you've been praying for to come back home, the family member that's lost. It was that moment when Jesus stepped on and said, my name is salvation, that that became a reality for us. And that's why I'm passionate about it. What I love about this scripture is that it's not only did he have a name, but he had a purpose for coming to this world. And my prayer for some of you this morning is simply this, that you begin to walk in what God's put in your heart. Maybe you've been struggling with this as if there's no purpose in my life. Maybe you feel like, man, I just, I'm just wandering around here and, and you don't know what to do. Listen, my prayer is that you will leave this place today understanding that God very much has a calling on your life. He has purpose placed on you, that there's something that he's birthed on the inside of you as well that he wants to deliver to the lost, the hurting, the brokenhearted that are around you as well. He wants to use you. You see, here's what I've learned and here's what I've come to realize in my life that God never creates something without having a plan and a purpose for it. From the beginning of Genesis 1-1 until the last verse of Revelation chapter 21, God has a plan for everything that he births and sets in place. And we are no exception to that rule. So when he created you, he created you with plans and purpose in your life. So fast forward in the story, and Joseph and Mary, they're, they're actually, Jesus is born now, and they're on their way to the temple to have Jesus dedicated. And uh, they walk into the temple, and they meet a man by the name of Simeon. And Simeon's there, and Simeon's biggest prayer in his life had been that he, before he departed this earth, he was, his prayer was, I want to meet the Savior. God, let me, before I leave this world, let me meet the Savior. And I can only imagine this through the lens of Simeon, his perspective, how, how he, here he is, that, you know, he, he was kind of a pastor in his own right, and there was child dedications, and that's what Mary and, and Joseph were on. It was a child dedication, just like we've done here at church from time to time. And, and I can only imagine Simeon saying, is this the one? Is this the one that's coming? Nope, not that one. Is this? Nope, not that one. No. And I can just kind of see, and he's just kind of getting old. He's been waiting for the promise. He's been told there's a promise. He's been told there's a new building, glory to God. Come on, somebody with me. And he's waiting. Is, is this the one? Nope, that's not the one. Is this the one? Is this one? And then in walk Mary and Joseph with Jesus, and they place him in his hands. And when he has Jesus in his hands, this is what he says, Luke chapter 2, verse 30. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Can you imagine what Mary and Joseph were thinking in that moment? This is their little son. I mean, they were just, again, they were on their way to church to dedicate their child. And now people are coming up to them and saying, hey, this is the one that we've been praying for. He's the hope of the world. He's bringing salvation and forgiveness to all of us. He's our redeemer. He, these are the things that they're hearing. And, 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 and he's going to save the people from their sins. And I don't know about you, but if I was Mary and Joseph in that moment, 
If I was Joseph, I'd be like, hold, hold, time out. Uh, this is a little much. Can, can we just back this up a little bit? Because I wasn't prepared for this. And based off of who I am, there's no way that God would use me to do this. There's no way this is. I, and here's what I love about this. Again, God uses the ordinary to bring the extraordinary, to change a world around him. And what I love about this story is so simple. What Simeon didn't do is have this great Lion King moment where we hold Simba up and we sing a song and proclaim his great. That's not what happened in that moment. It was a simple moment where he said, I've seen your salvation. I've seen your salvation firsthand. You know what I love about traveling this world and the multiple missions trips that I've had the privilege of going on to honestly some of the, the darkest world corners in this world? What I love is the simplicity of the gospel. You show up on the scene in some of these villages where there's no hope, and you bring the name Jesus, and you say, hey, listen, it's as simple as do you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And they say yes, and it changes a village. It's simple. Jesus made it that way on purpose. So number one is God's forgiveness for the world. Number two, I got to keep moving on. I'm so passionate this morning about this. God's gift of forgiveness for you personally. His gift of forgiveness, not just for the world. Because see, we can contextualize it. Yes, Jesus came to the world to save the world, but then we leave Josh out of it. We leave me out of it. Oh, it's for the world, but not for me. No, 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 no. Listen, number two, God's gift of forgiveness for you personally. Have you seen the salvation of the Lord? You know, an illustration that I have this morning, there was a Sunday school teacher who had just concluded her lesson, and she wanted to make sure that she had made her point. And so she asked her class, she says, can anyone tell me what you must do before you obtain forgiveness of your sins. And it was quiet for a moment, and they thought, in the back of the room, little Johnny raises his hand, and she calls on him and says, what is it, Johnny? And he says, sin. As funny as that is, it's also blatantly true to us this morning. I know it's a funny story, but at the same time, it's very true, because what do you need to do to earn forgiveness? What did Jesus, why did Jesus need to come as our Savior? Why did Jesus have to leave heaven, the seated right next to the Father, and come to this earth and born as a babe and die on a cross? Why? One simple answer is simply put, sin. That's why he chose to do it. Romans 3.23 tells us the state that we're all in. It says, for all, everybody say all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Boy, that makes me feel good on Christmas morning. We've all fallen short. We are all sinners. Christ's followers, we must, as Christ followers, we must understand the importance of this, that we're all sinners. And God doesn't categorize sin like this sin over here and this sin over here. And, you know, based off of that, how do you, no, 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 no. Sin is sin and we have all fallen short of God's glory and his standard. See, the problem is not, I wrote it this way, the problem is not that we have, not the fact that we know that we're a sinner. That's not the problem. 
It's that we spend all of our time comparing our sin to those around us rather than just receiving the grace of forgiveness that comes through Christ Jesus. Because, see, if I can compare my sin to your sin, guess what that does? That makes me feel better. Because, I, you know, obviously I have not sinned as much as you have sinned. So I am now in a better place, positioned to receive whatever it is God has for me. You see, we position, and we do that. We try to trade stories rather than just receive forgiveness in our life. It's a gift of forgiveness for you personally. You know what I've discovered as a son? Because before I'm a father and before I'm a husband, before I'm your pastor, I'm a son. And what I've discovered as a son is that most of the time, the hardest person to forgive is the person that I'm looking at in the mirror. The person that I stare at every morning in the mirror when I'm getting ready. Imagine, though, for me, for a moment, what would your life be like? If rather than comparing yourself to others in order to make yourself feel good, you just received and accepted the forgiveness, freely given forgiveness of your Lord and Savior. Because it's for you personally. Number one, God's forgiveness for the world. Number two, God's forgiveness for you personally. Number three, I bring it to a close here. Our gift of forgiveness, uh uh-oh, for others. Colossians 3.13, it's very similar to the first verse we read together this morning. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, I hate when he adds that on. It's like, I was good with the first part, God, why do we got to add this on? Uh, Even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. You see, God, let me say it this way this morning. God has not called us to get even. God has called us to forgive. And we live in a very get-even society where you did this to me, and so now I'm going to return the favor to you. That's not the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom of this world. We're not in a world where we are called to get even. We're in a world where we're called to forgive. There's a famous quote that many of you have probably heard off and on throughout your life, but it goes like this, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's kind of crazy, in other words. It doesn't make sense. In other words, harboring unforgiveness in your heart is like drinking poison and saying, I'm waiting for you to die. And that's how we go through life. We drink this poison day in and day out, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the unforgiveness in our heart turns to bitterness in our heart, and the bitterness turns to anger, and then all of a sudden, there's this rage. We just hear the person's name, or it might not even be that person, but somebody else named that name, and there's just this stuff in us, and we don't understand where it's coming from. Can I tell you, it all goes back to unforgiveness in our heart. And God says, I never designed you to live this way. You know, when we're in a season like this, the Christmas season especially, for a lot of us, it's full of joy and memories and and things that we like to remember, and it's tied to great times and great experiences, but I'm not naive. I know that also, very much so, 
There's those of you that are in this room where a Christmas season like what we're in right now is tied to hurt. It's tied to pain. It's tied to sorrow. It's tied to things in our past, a lot of junk that we have to get over and deal with in our life. Listen, can I say this to you this morning? That God's desire for you is to not live in that. That he wants you free from that and he wants you past that in your life. He doesn't want to live, he doesn't want you to live trapped in your past. Remember, remember, forgiveness is a choice and it's your choice. You have to make the choice. God, I'm not going to allow myself to stay stuck in this anymore. No, I want to look at one more scripture with you together as we close. Mark chapter 11, and the band, you guys can come on up here. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have Whatever he says. How many of y'all love quoting that? I mean, we love talking about this verse right here. What's the mountains? It's different for all of us, but the mountain is simply something that requires God's miraculous in our life in order for it to be removed and cast into the sea. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's, maybe it's depression or oppression in your life. Maybe it's a, a, a relationship that's gone sour. Whatever the mountain is, it's the miraculous that we're saying, God, would you, would you remove this? We all want to claim this. It goes on in verse 24. We love this part too. It says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things that you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. In fact, let's just read that together. Therefore, I say to you, come on, say it with me. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We love this. Let me tell you, in Christendom, this is one of the most quoted verses there is. We love quoting this. I'm telling you, it makes me feel good. Woo! Yeah, God, I'm gonna, I, I believe it. I'm going to receive it. But we like to stop there. We, we, we like to just put a period. Let's, let's forget 25. But no, 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 let's go to 25 this morning because we're going to go on here, okay? Here we go, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, just forget about it. <laughs> no. If you have anything against anyone, maybe it'll go away. If you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither, you will, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. We love all the way through verse 24, but then God kind of pulls the gloves off and says, well, let's be real about this. For I'm here to tell you this morning, that if you want God's miracles in your life, the miracles that he has for you, if you want the mountains removed, the one thing that can block it is unforgiveness. That we have to have forgiveness in order to receive these things. Forgive the boss that fired you 20 years ago when you were 10. 
For, forgive the business partner that, partner that kind of wronged you and it didn't work out how you wanted it to work out. Forgive the spouse that hurts you, that you're still harboring this resentment in your heart for. Forgive the kid that offended you. Listen, the answer is clear and the answer is forgiveness. That's what the Bible says. Listen, stop getting in the way of God's blessings and miracles in your life and, and get rid of the pride in your life and choose to humbly walk in forgiveness and see the, the miracles that he has for you come to life. I go back to what I started with this morning. Fred Rogers, the one thing the enemy hates, that evil can't stand, is forgiveness. Why? Because it opens up the doors for the miraculous of an all-healing, all-knowing, all-forgiving God in your life that's willing to take your purpose and your pain and your mess and turn it around for something that you have no idea that he's prepared to do in you and through you in this life. How do I see God's miraculous in my life? I'm telling you, the one way that we don't is choosing to live in unforgiveness. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray in this place today that first of all, if there's anybody here that has not received your forgiveness, that has not received you as their Lord and Savior, that has not said, God, forgive me because I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. Father, if there's anybody here in this room today, I just pray that they'll be prompted to say that prayer, to return to the Father. Father, if there's anybody in this room that's been harboring unforgiveness in their heart, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will do the work that only you can do, that you will come in and that you will remove the unforgiveness and give them a heart of forgiveness again so that, Father, your miracles can continue to show up in us and then be used through us to change this world. Lord, I thank you for healing because, Lord, I know wherever there's unforgiveness, healing needs to be there as well. So, Father, we don't want to just be trite and think that we just say a prayer and things are erased. Lord, I pray for healing right now. Father, wounds of the past that have lingered, maybe, maybe the arrow has been pulled out of the heart, but there's still a wound that's lingering, that's bleeding. Lord, I just pray right now, would you come in? with your word, with your love, and would you cauterize that thing so that it no longer festers and, and causes trouble in our life. Lord, I pray right now healing over any wound that the enemy's trying to use to keep us in unforgiveness in this place. Lord, I thank you that there's freedom here today and that you're here to move amongst us. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Hey, Dustin's going to come here in just a minute and dismiss us. But listen, if you need prayer for anything, we believe in prayer here at Lee Church. It's the power to set the captives free. And our prayer team's going to be up here in just a moment. Please don't leave here today without praying. If the Holy Spirit was speaking to you, come find one of us. Let us pray. We'll be right up here at the front. Let us pray with you and seal this so that you can walk out of that door free. Amen. Can we give God some praise in this place today? I love Amen. you, Lee Church.